what is up guys welcome back to another episode of the side hustle experiment podcast today we have our friend avery aka rumor the rumor founder of GoTo lister miami sellers conference restrictedinventory.com he does a lot of stuff maybe there's some stuff i am forgetting uh rumor the rumor on instagram i've been friends with avery probably almost five years at this point we've been in person a bunch of times he's helped me start selling books i've helped him scan books um and i've been to all the miami seller conferences i'm sure we'll get into that a little bit today but thanks for being here glad to be here yeah so for those people who don't know do you want to give a little background of your story like a quick yeah, 60, so 90 seconds, and then yeah. we'll kind of get into some media. 60, 90 seconds or 60, 90? 60, Whatever. 90. So um, my claim to fame is I started selling books when I was in college, and I was just selling my friends' textbooks. I wrestled. All my wrestling friends gave me their textbooks, sold them, made money. So I knew that selling books on Amazon was viable. And then I decided, like, all millennials, let me follow my passion. So I started coaching wrestling. I got a $1,500 check for three months of hard work, realized that wasn't going to work out. And I always had a desire to travel the world. That's why I call myself Roman the Roamer. I don't know what's going to happen with Amazon and all my other business ventures, but I know one thing's true. I'm going to keep traveling. And back then I was broke. I'm like, let me start traveling, living in my car. I was watching all these van life videos on YouTube. I was like, let me just try this. I was like, how am I going to make money? How am I going to fund the trip? And I was following Reezy and Caleb Roth. And Caleb Roth did a trip a weekend trip to tulsa oklahoma with his wife wrote about it in a blog and when he went to tulsa he scanned all the books at thrift stores and libraries and he found five thousand dollars profit in a weekend and i was like if he found five thousand profit in a weekend even if i get like a tenth of that every weekend i could pay for my trip so got my car put a wrestling mat down in the front seat drove across to california sleeping at walmart parking lots truck stops during the day i would go to goodwill's libraries i would have work days where i would do that and then I would have like travel days where I'd hit up the Grand Canyon, saw the Pacific Coast Highway. I literally have seen so much. And it, like that trip probably cost me only like less than $10,000 in three months. And I also learned how to sell on Amazon doing that. And when I went to California, I networked with all those people I mentioned. I met Reezy Resales in person. I met Caleb, which really allowed me to build my network. It wasn't super intentional, but that allowed me just to be so connected with the Amazon community. And then I also realized like, hey, this is real. Like people are actually doing this. And uh, as time went on, I continued to build my business more and more and more. So yeah, that's my claim to fame. Oh, cool. So you brought, I want to hear about GoToLister a little bit because I, I haven't saw too much about it. So what was your like intention on starting that? Like what was the whole goal of it? Yeah, honestly, man, like, so when I started business, I was like, I don't know anything about business. And I started listening to Naval Ravikant talk about like how to really grow like a scalable business. And he was like, you need to create media, which is like social media content or a book, something that you need to put information out there that's infinitely replicatable. And so that's why I was posting on social media like crazy. I didn't know what was going to come from it, but I knew I should have done that. The second thing he talks about is software code, like create solutions for people. And me as an Amazon seller, I knew that I could create something better than like Inventory Lab or Accelerolist or Scanless because those guys aren't actually Amazon sellers. Like they're Amazon sellers, but they're not really Amazon sellers. Like they've been out of the game for so long. And so I knew I could create something better. And I knew I wanted to go down that path of creating a solution because I already had the social media side of it. And so uh, we created GoToLister. It's the fastest listing software on the planet. And uh, we got a big things in plan, you know, for, for the futures. And also something really cool about GoToLister is I partnered with another Amazon seller. So the developer is also the end user. So we're both Amazon sellers creating this on sellers so like we just understand it on a deeper level than than the other companies i believe so that was kind of like the intention behind it and um man it took like i started that in 2020 people don't know this but that's when i started go go to lister and um i was silent for years because it didn't it didn't work you know I, I learned how hard it is to to build a software and to you know i had to work with indians and that was terrible and then we scratched the first project and 
and then I partnered with a, a wholesale guy who also codes and that's Dom, the guy developing it now. So. Cool. Cool. What's your kind of goal with it? What are you going to like? What's the big goal, I guess? Yeah. We just want to be like the listing solution to like completely optimize your workflow and also allow you to have like meaningful inventory analytics and have something that actually looks good. You know, Dom has pretty good UI taste. So, you know, right, right now we were the fastest listing software. So that's really a big deal for booksellers. And our next step is to make it more optimized for OA, RA wholesale people. Cause right now we have OA, RA users. I use it for my wholesale business, but it's not super optimized for that. So like, that's kind of the next step. We want to have one button that you click and it gives you an into your tax report. And that's a big goal of ours too. I mean, we have a lot of stuff. Like I, we have a lot of goals and features, but basically we want to be like the go-to solution for, for optimizing your workflow and, and understanding your inventory. Cool, cool. Yeah, I know a big part of your journey is networking and it really put kind of your business or got it going. Can you really talk about the importance of networking and kind of how it put you in the position you are in now? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, networking worked for me. When I was at wrestling practice one day, you know, I was going out to thrift stores during the day and then I went to wrestling practice to coach and I wasn't making shit. I wasn't sure if entrepreneurship was going to work for me. And I remember listening to Ty Lopez and he was just like, if you're going to hustle, don't hustle, you know, working hard on, on only building your business. Don't hustle working hard on sales. Don't hustle. Like he was like, do those things. But if you're going to really hustle and like you're a young guy willing to put work in, he's like hustle hard on the networking side of things at a young age. And if you hustle hard on the networking side of things, you won't believe the opportunity that comes. And when I heard that, I was like, well, how, do I, how the hell do I do that? Like, what does that even mean? And then I saw an event coming up, turned the page in California. And that just kind of popped up when I was living in my car in Arizona. I was like, let me go to this. And then I'm naturally pretty extroverted. I naturally always posted a lot on social media. And so I'm like, okay, let me kind of ramp these things up a little bit. They don't cost me anything. Post on social media costs nothing. And so that's really why I focused on it. And then, dude, it gave me like, it's every, every single business I have is from networking, like restrictedinventory.com. It's a business where we sell textbooks for other people at a 50-50 split. The only reason why that's still alive is because of relationships I have over the years. Like, I don't even sell on my account anymore. We have, I have a friend who I met at the event, at some of these events. We sell on his account, his account's brand approved. That's one example. Mm -hmm. uh, my developer, Dom, my partner, you can go to Lister, found him via Instagram. He wanted me to market his software that he created, but he didn't know how to market. I'm good at marketing. He's good at building. That was a good relationship. You, you know, I posted on social media and met you in Philly. And, yeah. you know, we've done a lot of uh, social media stuff together. You're speaking at Miami Sellers Conference this year. Like, it's just insane. Like, if you really think about it, like everything in my life has come from networking. That's why I'm such a huge proponent of it. Like a kid called me, shout out Bobby Thorne on IG. And he's like, hey, I just don't know if it's worth paying a couple thousand dollars to go to Miami. It's going to cost like 1500 for me. And then plus the tickets, 1300 And I'm like, dude, I'm like, if you go and you play all out, you actually play all out, it's going to be such high ROI. If you come and, and you have like a negative attitude about it, you ain't going to get shit. But if, if yeah. you're truly trying to make this lifestyle work and you build relationships, like the ROI is infinite, you know, that's why, that's why I throw Miami Sellers Conference. And that's why like people look at the price tag and like, that's outrageous if you charge that much, but it does cost like a hundred grand to throw this thing. So that's, that's why I'm so comfortable charging that. Cause I know what it's done for me personally, you know? Yeah, that's a really good point too. And I think with networking too, a lot of people say, well, I don't even really know what my following was back when I first like DM you, you're like, Hey, we're in Philly. We're looking for people to help scan. I was like, Oh, Philly's only like an hour and a half away from me. And I was like, I didn't really have anything. I think I was still working full time. I didn't really have much to offer Avery or Caleb at that point. I was like, well, I'll go help them scan books. Like whatever, worst case scenario, like just scan some books, say hi, and they know who I am or whatever. But then I turned into lunch and dinner 
and I just really got to know him and Caleb. And then like I was going to the turn a page event. I always remember, I don't know if you remember this, we walked to like some it was like some bar or whatever. We're some other kid. And he was just like, You're the book flipper, right? He says this to Caleb. And Caleb's like, Yeah, I'm Caleb. He's like, Can I see your orange bars? And like Caleb pulls out his phone and shows him. I forgot what was it, it even was. He's like, Was it Miles? Holy shit. Like, you are the book flipper. It was like the weirdest thing ever, but it was, was so it, was funny. Was it Miles? Who was it? No, I don't even remember who it is. I don't think they're in the game anymore. It definitely wasn't Miles, but I was like, wow, this is a surreal kind of um, world we live in. Um, talking about Miami Seller Conference, um, what would you do? I actually have this question written down. If you weren't you and or Avery or anything, you were just getting started or thinking about getting started in Amazon, how would you re- approach Miami? Kind of like what you said, Tyler Lopez. Like, what does this even mean? Like, hustle. Yeah, yeah. So, so how would you approach it? I, I still go to other events. It's funny. Sometimes, like, I'm so locked in when I'm at Miami because it's my event, and I'm wanna, I want to make sure everything's perfect. Mm-hmm. And I kind of have, like, I go, like, in this weird state. And obviously, like, I am, like, to an extent, like, the center of attention. So it makes it very easy to network. I'm not ever like the awkward guy in the corner, but when I go to other people's events, sometimes I'm like, Holy shit. Like this is, I'm so uncomfortable right now. I don't want to talk to anybody. What am I doing here? And then other events I go to and I'm just like, I'm flowing. Like, I don't know, like I drink a beer and there's like a cute girl and I'm just like, like, you know, like it just depends. Like there's just different uh, states. So like, I would really like, you don't know how you're going to feel when you get there. You could be any of those things. You could be super, extroverted you could maybe you're normally extroverted but you feel nervous i would just make an intention to you know listen to people and share whatever problems you're going through because obviously you're there to to work out some issues like you're not as wealthy as you want to be your amazon business isn't doing as much like maybe you have a specific problem in your amazon business maybe you just want to get started whatever it is i would go in there with that kind of like intention and just bring it up in conversation to everyone um, that you talk to. And I would also listen a lot. Uh, you'd mm-hmm. be surprised how much you can learn from, from everyone and people love to talk. So just like, you know, be a good listener for them. And, uh, yeah, I mean, don't try to force anything. If alcohol gets you loose, have some alcohol, but it, like, there's going to be a pulsing energy on Saturday and Sunday. It's going to go into Sunday, but Saturday we're really going to get everyone amped up. It's almost going to be impossible to feel awkward after everything we do because we uh we kind of treat it like a tony robbins event where we like make you guys like jump around and we're going to do more networking based exercises this year so not to get you out of your comfort zone that's not the purpose of it but it's to help you really cast your vision for the year with like-minded people around you so we'll get you all excited and you know obviously the speakers will present but then we'll have like kind of breakout sessions and maybe you're next to a $10 million seller. Maybe you're next to someone doing hundred K a month. Maybe you're next to a complete beginner and you can help them. Maybe, you know, there's going to be a mix of people there. And so we're just going to allow this room of high level entrepreneurs just kind of do them. You know, we like everyone here is paying a lot of money to be there. And that is so much better to have that type of attendee than someone who's there for free. Because everyone there is playing playing all out, so that would be kind of my advice going in, and uh, it's going to be a great time. So, how many people usually go? Uh, we had one hundred and sixty last year, so we're hoping to pass that up this year. Okay. Well, what do you think the split is usually like? What do you see, uh, like between like beginners of guys like that barely know what they're doing, and then guys that like yeah. So the first year it was a lot of beginners. Second year. Um, a lot more high level. Last year was just fucking amazing. Yeah, Super high level people. Like I just remember like almost everyone I talked to, I'm like, what are you doing in sales? And he's like, yeah, I just started last year. I started following flips for miles and I'm doing a quarter million a month now. And I'm like, okay, <laughs> all right, bro. <laughs> like that happened. That, that kid actually posts on IG now. I see him a lot, but I didn't know who, who he was at the time. Um, I would say, ma'am, there's, there's going to be a lot of high level people there. I would say almost, I would, I don't know, maybe 70% of people there are at least six figure sellers. Maybe more. Yeah, for sure. This year. That's just yeah, kind if of. If you my- guys want to go, we'll put a link down in the bio to go uh, grab a ticket. 
uh, for yeah, you. And I think that like, if, if you buy all the tickets, you're paying 1300. So this, the attendee that shows up to this event is like very dedicated, you know, mm. and something else I will add about the networking question is if you have any, if like, if you're a fan of John, which obviously you are, if you're listening to this, <laughs> go talk to them. It's not weird. It's not yeah. weird that you feel like, you know, John, because you've listened to his podcast. Like you do know, John, you've listened to so much of him. Same with like, watch me Amazon or Amazon lit, like talk to these people and don't like, even if you come off weird, who gives a shit? Like go up and okay. just say hi. Like, take the picture. It's okay. You know, you're making them feel like superstars. And uh, who knows? You guys might be best friends. Like, Reezy and I text all the time now. And I remember at one point in time, I looked at him as, like, this crazy YouTuber. And I just thought, I don't know, I just thought I put him on a pedestal, you know? And now, literally, like, all the speakers, obviously, I'm texting. And I'm like, oh, these are just regular people. So. Yeah, I think that's a big part of it, too. Like, because I remember... Yeah, meeting Reezy, like he got me started in the game, and I remember being at the house we were all staying at, and I was like, "Oh, like we should do a podcast." Like I just totally threw it out there. He's like, "Yeah, let's do it." I I just was like, "Really?" And he's like, "Yeah, like just let me know or whatever." And we got it set up, and yeah, I, I would say that's another thing just about going to events in general. I think sometimes you almost would look at like all the speakers and which have they have a lot of merit and everything like that there are so many people that are so quiet that are crushing the game like don't like just try to get like try to talk to amazon lit there are other hosts obviously it'd be awesome to talk to eric and sebastian they're awesome but there are other people in the room that are crushing it as well yeah um that are just more quiet they're not on social and those people just have just as good as stuff to stay and just as good advice as they I love those people because a lot of the social media people are making money from selling courses or some type of coaching or something else. And that's Mm -hmm. like a lot of their focus. But if you make a connection with a pure Amazon seller, they run their businesses a little bit different, a little bit more lean. You know, they don't have any other income from a job or from selling courses or in my case, I have a software, you know? And so like there are people out there, you know, doing millions a year, and they're completely silent on social media. You know, they don't have like a vast network like me where I can just kind of get product through my following, you know? And mm-hmm. so um, that might be a little bit more relatable for you. Or maybe you want to go to the social media side. So like there's, there's and the social media side is really cool. I think a lot of the micro influencers really enjoy being there. Like uh, Drew and John and, and like we all kind of have these small brands. So, you know, sharing the social media side is really cool too. Because how often you get to be around other people who post Amazon stuff on Instagram? Like it's not very common, you know. Yep, hundred percent. Well, you're speaking of the lean businesses. It kind of made me think about you were saying you were traveling and making the profit earlier on, uh, like when you were doing that kind of stuff. How did you end up like uh, taking the money out of it? Like how did you survive? I guess yeah, buying. Here I was, man. Even free breakfast. I didn't know anything about money. I thought I could live in my car for $250 a month. I spent $250 a, like a week on fast food. <laughs> like KFC adds up quick. You're buying it all the time. Um, my first year I did 80K in sales and I probably did like a 40% margin. And I was just putting everything back into the business and just took whatever out to survive. Like I wasn't stacking cash at that point. It wasn't until I started restricted inventory that I was able to pay off all my college debt. I owed my parents like 20 grand. I remember sending them 20 grand the August after I started restricted inventory. That's when I was selling courses too. I don't sell courses anymore, but probably made like, I don't know, 50 to 100 grand. I can't even remember. But in 2020, um, that's when I really started like getting a lot of money. And then I could start putting it other places. But uh, yeah, I mean, I, I just, I, I live off of like 100K a year, which is probably too much, but it cost me about 8k a month to survive. That's including travel, my apartment and everything. So that's my living expenses. And then I try to make as much money as I can in my business. Yeah. And you do a bunch of different businesses. How do you manage all your stuff with that? Cause I feel like you have like seven different things going on at a time. How do you I like do. restricted inventories that that used to be my cash cow. It doesn't make me as much money because I had to partner with someone and they get actually the majority of the profit. I just get a, like a 15% cut now. 
but I wanted to keep that alive for the community. And it makes me like a teacher salary a year, which is nice. But my, my big focus right now is go to Lister. Like I hope I make six figures on my Amazon business, six figures profit this year, which would be easy to do as long as I don't get shut down. <laughs> but I got we'll shut down last time. Well. So like, I can make a full-time living from go to Lister right now. And then I also have restricted inventory. So it's just like years of systematizing. Like restricted inventory is completely systematized. Like it doesn't really require me at all. Mm-hmm. And then go to listers. Like that's my main focus. Like every day I'm creating content for that, optimizing that. Dom's coding fucking like 10 hours a day. So that's kind of like all my focus is really going towards that. And then I also run my wholesale Amazon business. And that has a ton of potential to crank out like, tons of profit but we're just kind of getting that back up and rolling again but it doesn't take that much time like once you get an amazon business running it's like buy a good product replenish your best selling asins and we only place orders once a month so it doesn't require like a whole lot of um like me you know like my team reprices for me it's actually really nice having a partner now because my amazon account was shut down last summer they never never gave it back to me so i had to partner with someone else and they help manage the inventory, stranded inventory, all that. So I don't even have to think about that shit anymore. Mm. Yep. Like pretty soon I'm going to be a fake guru when people ask me like what to do with inventory management. Like I don't even know. <laughs> you know, like Pay someone it's been else. a year since I've managed my inventory. So um, that's actually why we're making GoToLister. You can actually manage your inventory in GoToLister now. Um, and a big part of that is actually because I selfishly want to be able to see everything in Goto, like all the quantities and sales. Yeah. That's one of the hardest parts about the business, like being inventory management there, you have to almost use like two or three softwares. Yeah. The data is not synced across all of them. Like maybe you're seeing in one software, it has 10 units, the other software selling it has eight on your Amazon dashboard, who knows what they're saying. And it's just like, who's right, who's wrong. And it's usually somewhere in the middle. Um, So it's really hard to kind of get that going. Um, you want to talk about your Amazon shutdown and kind of what happened? I know that's a lot of people's like biggest fear. Obviously, yeah. you and it should be a big it, fear. It should it, it. it should be a big fear, especially if you're making a full time income from this, you know. And so, basically, don't sell fake products, even <laughs> if it's on accident. Uh, be extremely careful selling used products because your invoices won't hold up if they're from Goodwill. So um, the reason why I was shut down initially, I got shut down in 2019. And the reason why I was shut down was I sold a counterfeit book on accident. Restrictedinventory.com is my business where I sell textbooks for the community. Why can they not sell the textbooks? Because Amazon knows that they're highly likely to be counterfeit. And so they restrict all sellers in them. And so like a dumbass, I was like, hey, everyone send me your books and I'll sell them. Not thinking that my account would get gated too. Duh, that was the next thing that would happen. Like I feel like any billionaire could like look at my business then and be like wait you can sell it but everyone else can't why can't everyone else sell it oh you're probably not gonna be able to sell it forever like i I just feel like but at the time i was so young and i'm like this is gonna make me six figures let me do it then for a couple years i continued to sell on multiple different accounts that could sell textbooks so if one got shut down we would just get another one and that was kind of like my hustle for a while and so now amazon um basically said like, Hey, we know that Avery Martin has sold counterfeit books on multiple accounts. And they linked all the accounts together. Cause I logged in on the same device and I logged in in Colombia and Spain and like different countries, like actually living in those countries. So it looks like I'm just like this weird hacker probably. And then I, I paid off the brand. The brand said, Hey, give him his accounts back. They actually listed all the accounts I had. They gave me my account back instantly. Amazon did, but then they reactivated it for being linked to my account that was shut down. But the only reason why that account was shut down was because it was linked to my account that was shut down for the counterfeit. So like, there's no account that's actually shut down for a real reason other than being linked to an account that was shut down. So now it's like this circular logic and we can never get past that. I'm sure I could have, if I would have hired like a lawyer that was good enough, but I was just like, this is two months coming in. Amazon lit told me like, I wouldn't try more than 60 days. If you can't get your account back, move on, you know, Watch me, Amazon said, keep buying inventory. He's like, you never should have stopped. You should have just kept buying inventory and figured it out. And that's what we're doing now. You know, like we'll do, hopefully we'll do seven figures this year, but at least six figures profit for myself. But, um, you know, 
like people look at that and like, oh my gosh, like I'm so scared of getting shut down. And from one perspective, it's like, you know, you should probably chill out. But from another perspective, you should be really concerned. If you're buying from a website that seems too good to be true, like this Timu website, have you guys heard of that? Yeah. Yeah. Like there's some third party sellers that sell counterfeit shit on there. And actually one of someone I know got suspended for that and she still hasn't gotten her account back. You know, don't set up multiple accounts. Um, I used to recommend that, but it just yeah. adds complexity to the situation because if one account gets shut down, then both will get shut down and then they could get shut down for multiple account policy violation. And you don't want that because that's much harder to get past than probably the initial reason why you got shut down in the first place. And so, yeah, you might be able to have two accounts for now, but if one gets shut down for any reason, then all of a sudden they're linked. And then even if you fix that reason, you could stay shut down just for them being linked, you know? So, um, yeah, just be careful out there. Follow the rules. Like don't sell used items as new, like just do everything you know you're supposed to do. Like if it's kind of sketch, don't do it. You, when you get your account shut down, what did you, what do you like lose in that process? Do you, I'm sure you had a balance and you had inventory at Amazon. So like what gets lost there and what are you able to recover? Yeah. So I didn't recover my funds until probably like four or five months after they had 30 K they, they locked up and they finally paid that. Um, I got all my, I, I actually need to reconcile, but I got a lot of my inventory back. Like they will still give you your inventory back unless like you got shut down for a counterfeit claim, mm -hmm. which I didn't, I was technically shut down for multiple account policy violations. So I got all my inventory back. That was a pain in the ass though. Reconciling all that is, is a pain. Getting those removal orders is, is a fucking pain. I've been through it like six times. I only shared the last one publicly cause I knew it was probably like, I just knew, I knew I would survive and I just was like, this is crazy. And I, I knew that it was like really serious. So I was like, let me just share this on social media. Like this isn't like the others where I'll be back up in six weeks. So I kind of wanted to like document that process. It scared a ton of people, you know? Yeah. And I feel like after you did it, a lot of people started doing it and, and I get like the, I, I've even shared this before. I, I think that that concern is like ever growing because I think a lot of these brands are starting to realize the volume of sellers on Amazon in general. And then they realize people are buying from places like Timu and shit and just getting cheap fake stuff. I think that more brands will come after that stuff specifically in the beauty and the grocery section first, because yeah. that stuff can actually cause physical damage to people. I mean, if you're selling like fake clothing, maybe that's a little bit different, but I think those beauty brands and those grocery brands will tighten up on stuff like that. I mean, it's just like yeah. the natural way it would go. Cause you see some of these listings, there's like 80 people. There's no way there's not a counterfeit seller on there. At least one, yeah. maybe like five on some of these yeah. beauty things. Yeah, I'd, I'd stay away from that stuff. Make sure your credit cards are in your business name, matching your Amazon right. account. Cause what they'll ask is they'll ask you to reconcile all your inventory, not only based on your invoices, but also they want to see the credit card statements. So little things like that, just run a very clean, tight ship where you have everything in line and you know, it's okay to buy from like smaller wholesalers and stuff as long as the product's legitimate. But if you have like, if you have an inkling that it might be a fake product, like stay the hell away from it. It's not worth your Amazon account, you know, and also just don't go too deep on certain ASINs. Like maybe don't put 15 K worth of money on one ASIN because maybe that ASIN gets restricted. Maybe there's like a recall, like whatever, you know? So, no, well, we're jumping around everywhere here, but I want to go back to the go-to lister because I have a question about how you're marketing it. Um, is it just you doing organic yourself or do you have, uh, are you running ads to it or are you doing affiliate stuff? Like what's kind of your marketing strategy for that stuff? I'm more yeah, interested in stuff. It's so. just my YouTube account and just posting videos, teaching people how to sell books since that's mm -hmm. kind of what I'm good at. I teach people how to sell books. I answer all their questions and it's really good product market fit. Like it, it is the best software out there right now for books hours. Like, it's better okay, than competition, yeah. but, um, our next goal is to go after like inventory lab. And that's really what we're focusing on this year is, you know, the net profit, um, ASIN profitability reports, stuff like that. But that's kind of like what we're cooking in the back background. So right now what we do or what I do is I just post on Instagram, YouTube, educational content for selling books, and then get them on my email list. I give everything away for free. I don't charge for any coaching. I don't charge for any courses. I give away all my courses. I, I modeled Alex Ramosi 
-hmm. he's got a website acquisition.com forward slash training that literally tells you everything you know about building a business. And I've done that for the book business. Starthumble.com literally lays out my, my complete course that I used to charge $400 for. It's all free. So I give away the information, sell the implementation, um, do webinars, you know, just the classic things. I just grind and, and just do those. And ideally, like in the future, I would like uh, every speaker at Miami Sellers Conference, and like, and including like micro influencers like you guys to like actually love go to. I know it's not product market fit for OARA yeah. yet. So I know it's like a little bit difficult for me to sell you guys on it. But once I can just have you guys like instantly transfer your data from inventory lab and you guys have like a better user interface and we have better analytics and just like an overall smoother experience, like I think I can get basically the whole community on board. At least that's my vision. Like inventory lab doesn't have someone like me out there just like grinding yeah. away. Equal actually has a pretty good does a pretty good job, but still like the reason why Cellramp's doing so well is flips for miles in uh Warner are the mouthpieces for it and they're savages yeah. when it comes to creating content. They're Amazon sellers themselves. They probably have the most successful students in the space. You know, so I'm, I'm actually like, I'm modeling them a lot too. And back to the networking thing, I met Miles years ago. Sure. He was just some kid in Philly when I met John and just seeing him grow and kind of shift the standard for what it is to create content has been really inspiring. So that's yeah, kind of- the software stuff's cool because you're kind of building something bigger than you too, you know, like the, with the with the coaching or courses or anything, you, you're like super the face of it. But like if you get that software up to where you have all these recurring users and you build out some type of organic or paid side that's not completely relied on you, yeah, that's a huge exit probably in the future as well. Exactly, yeah. Yeah, three well, Colts will probably be calling you anytime now. Once <laughs> you get it going. <laughs> Uh, you talk a lot about outsourcing. What are some tips for outsourcing that you have and kind of what do you have outsourced? I know you have a bunch of different virtual assistants that do different things for you. And everyone always talks about hiring VAs. So kind of how are you utilizing? Yeah, my whole life is outsourced. I highly recommend, you know, reading The 4-Hour Workweek by Tim Ferriss. And he talks about VAs there. I learned about this like probably 10 years ago and he's like, you should just hire a VA. And even if you don't know what to do with them, just give them tasks. Like if you don't know what to do, tell them to email your friend or something and just like fuck around, <laughs> you know, like just get used to telling them to do things. But now like I have them do everything. Like for Miami sellers conference, we have to reach out to speakers. We have to get, you know, make sure their flights are good, booked, all that. And, uh, I could do that myself or I could have my VA do it. Um, I have him reprice inventory. So he logs in to go to Lister. He checks all the inventory on our Amazon account that we're partnered with and he reprices all of it. He uh, places orders with our wholesaler. He, uh, we, have, we have a customer service team that manages all restricted inventory inquiries, all go to Lister inquiries, like everything, you know, that I don't have to do, I delegate. Like I wish I could delegate my YouTube channel, but I can't. So that's like what I focus most of my time on. But literally everything, man, like at a certain point, you have to ask, like, is it worth delegating yet? And you'd be surprised. A lot of times you can make it work. You don't want to over delegate. Like sometimes you can overcomplicate it by delegating too much, but you'll probably make that mistake anyway. So just do it. And then you'll find out what really works for you. And now I'm at the stage where I can just send voice messages all the time to my team and they can basically do whatever, like book flights. If I have a doctor's appointment, they can like make sure the form's filled out. Um, I coach wrestling and they pay me like three grand now. Hopefully we'll see. Maybe it's 1500 again. <laughs> Haven't been paid yet, but he, he filled out the job application for that. He does any paperwork. Um, anything that just takes my time, I, I have my team do. You know, it's all about optimizing time so you can focus on what's most, most important. How many do you have overall? I have a right-hand man. He does everything that I just mentioned. And then I have a customer service girl and uh, then I have a numbers girl. She's basically full-time. She like makes sure all my businesses, not make sure they're profitable. But that's my job, but she tells me the profitability of them. A video editor, he's full-time. I have a graphic design person. He's not really full-time. He's more of a freelancer. And then uh, if you want to include my partner, Dom, he's our 
developer, so team of about six. Are you posting all your content or the VAs do it for you? I'll post on Instagram, but I'm usually too lazy to post on YouTube, Facebook, and TikTok. So if you're posting content that's short form on any of those platforms, you should post it on all the platforms. So I'll post it on IG, screenshot it, send it to him, and he'll post on the other three. So Yeah, it makes sense. Yeah, Took I'm, off I'm on TikTok. All my content though, it's not like it's not like I don't know what's being posted. Like I know everything that's gonna be posted. Yeah, I've gone the other way before. I've gone the way where I have just like it automated, but it, te- it seems to do way worse when I, when I kind of take my finger off of that. Yeah, you see Russell Brunson attack the kid with wrestling? Yeah. <laughs> I think people are <laughs> about it. He didn't do it. I think Joe Rogan true. was talking about it today. What, is it, what was Joe Rogan's opinion? Um, uh, he said he didn't know the rules of wrestling, so he wasn't sure whether or not like the kid was actually being choked out or if it was illegal headlock from what I saw. And so he didn't have an arm with it, just the kid's head. And then Russell Brunson, apparently like what I saw was just ran out to the mat and kind of broke him up. I don't think he hit or anything. Did he? No, they definitely overblew that situation. I saw your take on it like somewhere. And I was like, yeah, you're probably right. And that's what Rogan said. I think too. Dude, Cause if you're a wrestling coach and you love your kids, like you want to kill the other kids sometimes. And so for him just to go out there and break something up that was illegal and the ref wasn't calling, like, I don't see, I don't really see a problem with that. Yeah. And it was, it was like, that's kind of dangerous, right? You're not supposed to do the headlocks in wrestling. Yeah. It wasn't like super dangerous. It wasn't like a guillotine or something, but it was just a really bad ref. And who knows what his relationship was with that ref. Maybe the ref gave him sass in previous tournaments and, He's like, I'm just going to take this in. in my, maybe the kid had a neck injury. Like, we don't know the situation. All I know is that he's probably going to get sued when they find out who he is. That's for sure. Yes. <laughs> that kid is. If I was that kid's parents, I'd be like, yeah. I, that's the best thing to ever happen to our family. Yeah. <laughs> I guarantee yeah. it. Russell yeah, Brunson inspired me. He kind of gave me permission, like, to go back and coach wrestling because he does it and he's a billionaire. So it's like, okay, if this guy's doing it, then you know, I can do it too. How is the whole experience? I coach a, like a kid's basketball team right now. It's yeah. pretty fun too, but uh, they're I just young. feel like so much more capable and so much more of a leader than five years ago. Five years ago when I was coaching wrestling, I was hitting up thrift stores during the day. I wasn't really sure if I was going to make money. I didn't really know things about business. I hadn't proven myself that I was running a profitable business. And... You know, I just got out of college wrestling, and so I was a coach that wanted it to be, like, a college wrestling room, and I was also really stressed financially, and now I'm coming more from a place of, like, okay, I know I can make money because I've made money in the past. I know I'm good there, and um, I also know how to lead way better. I think it's from working with so many people over the years. And so I just, and, and I've taught a lot. Like I've done so many webinars. I made so many YouTube videos. So I feel like I'm much better at explaining things simply when it comes to a wrestling move. It kind of reminds me when I make a book selling video, like keeping things dumb, simple. And uh, it's just nice to be able to look people in the eye. I don't get that a lot on the internet. And so being able to look these kids in the eye and like be part of a team and really help them. You know, I haven't accomplished too many things in my life that I'm actually really good at. I don't think a lot of people have, but one thing I I know that I'm really good at is wrestling. I've been through the trials and tribulations. I've been through the hard work. I dedicated the first half of my life to that. And the other thing I'm really good at now is, you know, business and building Amazon business and going through entrepreneurship. Like I have both those things on my track record and, you know, I might, I might teach the kids Amazon. Yeah. I, I tell them to go to my website, start humble. They make fun of me sometimes. Like you're scamming people, this and that. Cause I'm you know, <laughs> videos. You, know, you can make 10,000 a month, whatever. <laughs> but um, I think it is kind of nice for them to see that you don't have, I'm not saying don't go to college. I went to college, but yeah. you don't have to work a traditional nine to five job. And for them to have some, a man in their life, who is doing that is probably really cool for them. Even if I don't teach them directly how to sell books or whatever on Amazon, they might get the idea that, okay, like dad works a job as a teacher, but coach Martin uh, does whatever the fuck he wants. <laughs> and so like, they just kind of like, it's rich dad, poor dad, you know, um, kind mm. of, they just get a different perspective, you know, yeah. like that's cool too. 
That's a super good way to look at it. I never really thought about it. I, well, I'm like coaching younger kids, so I guess they, they don't even really like care about yeah. what I do or whatever. But right. one day that will be the goal. It's kids like, are obsessed. They screenshot everything. They, they they all have like their own little folders of Coach Martin doing weird stuff on Instagram. Like they're little weirdos. I'll <laughs> be watching this right now. It is cool. I'm sure you have put in the idea like in a few of their heads of like, I don't want to go to college. This guy doesn't go to college and he does well. So or he, he's not like a big proponent of it. So yeah, he probably inspired a lot of those kids. Yeah. And the thing is this, it's like, for me, I made it to the state finals. I got second. And for me to get there, it was so much sacrifice. Like I sacrificed so much and it was very difficult and a lot of work. And Amazon is the exact same way. Like if I look at everything I've been through, I know how much pain and suffering it is to truly build a business. And anyone who tells you it's not, it's like full of shit or they're really lucky or maybe they're just like really smart. <laughs> but that wasn't the path I took. And I think most people don't take that path in entrepreneurship. And so I guess like, it's not like it's easy. You know, I, I don't tell them that. And, um, but anyway, yeah, that's kind of where I'm at. That whole situation. Dude, I, th I think the sports stuff like that, especially at a young age when everything, you have so much pressure on you. In my opinion, I think that was way harder than even doing any of this business stuff yeah, I do. Like I, think, I even said that. Like the, I, I already went through the hardest part. It's always going to be physically. Like a yes. wrestling match, five and a half minutes in, a six minute match, you're going to feel way physically worse than you ever were in business. But the subjective component of business can truly keep you up at night if you are. If you did yep. throw all your eggs in one basket and that basket's burning, um, you probably won't feel that level of mental stress. At least I didn't in wrestling. Like I get really nervous before ma my matches amped up, but it was the moment the match started that was like gone, you know? And whereas with business, like you have to make sure you, you, get, you get your mind right. You're surrounded with the right people. And you also get this momentum in business where you, you get so much money that you can retire. Like that's the goal. And mm -hmm. I guess in sports, you could retire too, but generally in sports, you have to continue to work your body, practice to, to keep it good. In business, you can just kind of win the game at a certain point and get this momentum that just grows beyond um, what you ever thought. And I feel like maybe that can happen in sports, but it's not, it's definitely not the same, you know? Yeah. yeah I think it's hard hard to do, like for yeah. people doing sports, like almost anyone can win in business at a given point or at like some aspect of it. For sports, like it's just not in the cards for some people. Yeah, well, some no what like, they do. Yeah, <laughs> yeah they, well, I just I had such like terrible. Uh, like, I hate to say this, but like terrible coaches when I was in high school and stuff, and I like, truly love basketball, and they just like ruined the whole thing for me. So when I got mm -hmm. into the business world, I'm like, this stuff's easy. The mental stuff I have to go through here was easy compared to that. Which at the time yeah. I was like, this is the worst thing ever. But like yeah. you said, you had a good experience with it, so it's probably like. You know, that business stuff is new. But for me, I was like, I've already went through such terrible shit with those guys that like this mm -hmm. stuff's really easy to me, which now yeah. I'm so grateful for it. But like looking back, I was crying and felt terrible about it. But it helps today. Because <laughs> what you're talking about your uh, retiring thing, I'm sure you have a pretty big bird rate traveling and stuff. Do you have a number? What's your number in mind to retire? Like your exit, you know? Yeah, I think if I can get like three and a half million in my name i think that i think that would be good i think i would never have to work again yeah it's always i always i say three to five million that's what i answer everybody with and they're like oh you're you're gonna want more and i'm be like yeah but i, I kind of understand that if you can get to that point you know you can like throw it in a, a account and kind of live off the interest of it to an extent yeah. like yeah I always build been in more than like 150 200k a year you yeah know, the main stuff i think three and a half mil would be good and i, I know i'm not going to stop working yeah, we all yeah. know that. Like, we'll, we'll probably continue to. I, I can see myself really diving into my passion more. Like, I can see myself making a ton of money, and then instead of I already do this, man. I spend so much time wrestling and salsa dancing, like probably fucking five hours a day, and so so much of my time is already dedicated towards my passion, and that's why I do business, you know. But uh, I could always let go of those things and focus ten-hour days on business. But I can definitely see myself having like a creative outlet with salsa dancing or wrestling or jujitsu. Um, once I get that money, I don't think I, have, I don't think I have the problem. A lot of people have or will have once they get that money, when all they did was business and then all of a sudden they don't know what the fuck to do. Like mm. Russell Brunson's example of that, like billionaire, but 
look how passionate he's obviously so passionate about wrestling. So I think it is important to have like different passions. Are you trying to hit your number by a certain age or whenever it I happens? Say it happens. There's this one kid on the team, Teddy. I, I want to be done. Uh, I want to be able to retire if I want to by the time he graduates. So he's, he's in seventh grade right now. So that would be five, six years from now. Nice. So it doesn't yeah. happen. Like, it's not like when that time comes, I'm like, oh, fuck, I, I missed it. But I know if I keep going down this path that I'm going down, I, I could probably hopefully do that. How old are you now? I'm 28. Oh, damn. I thought you were, I, I'm 25. I thought you were like my age. <laughs> I thought you were younger. No. Yeah, so 30, 34 or so, you want to be? Yeah, yep. that's pretty good goal. It's definitely possible. So, what else you got, John? Well, you want to start up? Do you have any lightning round questions? Not too much, man. I, <laughs> uh, you you start it off. I'll get inspired by something. All right. What do you think is the hardest part about being an entrepreneur? I think the hardest part is the delayed gratification. <clears throat> so, like, taking the actions necessary to get the success and not seeing the success for a long time. Because it's a fictional idea, success. You have to like have this goal that's not really real. You haven't actualized it, and you're doing all these actions. And man, sometimes it can be you know if you put a year of effort into a business and you don't see any income from it, and you go negative, like it takes a lot of mental fortitude and belief to keep going. I would say that's the hardest part that I've gone through. Yeah, I agree with that. Uh, what does a winning day look like for you? Wake up, get four hours of work done, go to wrestling practice or jujitsu, get a couple hours on the mat, get my calories in for the day. It's bulking season. Boom. Hardest part right now is the eating. Um, they get a little dancing in at night. That's probably a winning day for me. And then the last one, if you were starting an Amazon business today, which business model would you go with? Um, I guess wholesale because that's what I'm doing right now. <laughs> Better start over. <laughs> um, if I had no money, I would definitely do books until I had enough money. I, I think people don't talk about this enough. Like, if you only have a couple thousand dollars, you should spend it all on books and just get your money yeah. out. Either that or like Facebook Marketplace or something that basically yeah. you need cheap goods. <laughs> Just that sell at a good margin. Um, books till I had money. Uh, I might, I I might try. I know it's not legal on Amazon, but I might, I might have tried drop shipping because it requires Mm. zero. So you can, uh, you can really scale fast with like no money. You know, Um, so that's probably that's my answer for that. My question: How much does salsa dancing help with chicks? Dude, it helps a lot. <laughs> me knowing how to salsa dance, me not knowing how to salsa dance. Like it's just like you literally like meet ten girls if you dance ten songs. And uh I travel Latin America with that. So as you boys know, Tinder don't really work here in America. At least like you know it's kinda like going through the clearance section of human beings. <laughs> when, when you go out dancing, you know, it's fun, number one. Uh, so even if you don't meet me one, but uh, yeah, it definitely helps a lot, man. I thought so. Yeah. I guess you already have like a shared hobby. Like I feel like that's a big thing. Like if you oh, like yeah, to salsa yeah. dance and you meet someone else that's salsa dancing, like, rather than meeting someone at a bar, it's like, oh, like, like you could be at that bar for any reason, but if you're it's salsa dancing, you're wasting. there to dance. I'm just at like a regular club. I just feel like I'm wasting time. Salsa dancing, I never feel like I'm wasting time getting better at skill so what what's your favorite place to travel to um probably mexico city went there and it just felt like america like i had a really nice gym at a sauna uh people there the area i lived was in la condesa so it was like uh fast track fba lived not too far from me in sweeney he's a a big wholesaler Mm -hmm. so like a lot of like europeans or is Fast Track European? He's from the UK. He's from the UK. Yeah, right. All those UK guys go to Mexico. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know what's up with that. It's like everyone I talk to is just in Latin America all the time. Dude, Mexico. it's crazy. Like, 
being a white dude in Mexico City should be like a crime. Like it's just like <laughs> the amount of girls and like how they respond. It's just like actually part of the reason why I came back. I'm like this is like too good. Let me come back to the states for a little while. That's why they're down there. <laughs> but uh, that was one of my favorite places. Uh, and then I went to Puerto Rico, Cuba. Cuba was a shithole. But um, I love the people there. I love the music. I love the culture. But the way they run their country, um, communist country, it's pretty screwed up. You can't even go to the grocery store as a foreigner unless you get like a special card. They want everything tracked by the oh. government. Colombia was really nice. I love the Colombian culture, the music. Uh, Spain felt like the States. Spain was pretty good. Um, yeah, I, I need to get some traveling. But right now I'm like focused on my business. I get it. And what what do you want to do long term? You want to like uh, settle down somewhere, or are you uh, kind of going to be a digital nomad type of guy forever? I might do the digital nomad thing again in the next couple of years, but I definitely have the intention of like finding like a long term partner. So that's kind of the reason why I came back. Like I was in Mexico, and I'm like, dude, I'm I'm gonna find a wife down here, and that's gonna really complicate things. And so I came back here. Bring her up here. Get her, get her, like her family's down there, and, and who knows, maybe, maybe it'll happen. But uh, I was like, let me come back here. So I've had a couple of girlfriends since, didn't work out, but uh, feel like I'm going down that right path, and I'm definitely thinking more, <laughs> definitely thinking more along the lines of, you know, hey, maybe I might settle down. Um, but I, I'm young and I still have a lot of time, so definitely. Well, did you got anything to plug? Go to Worcester.com, MiamiSellersConference.com. Get your tickets. You going to be there, Drew? I will not. Oh, Dude, man. I'll be honest, man. I'm not like a big uh, event guy. I, I okay. When I was a kid, I went to a lot of events for my dad. Like he's a big CEO at a company, so I always went to places. And uh, I just like never really liked doing that kind of thing. I don't know why. I'm like an internet kid, man. I'm like a nerd. Gotcha. I, mean, well, I, go, out, I go out around with my normal friends. You don't have to worry if you want to, if you want to pull up. I and I have, a, I have a project coming up. It's going to align with like the same timeline and stuff. So it's like okay. tough. Yeah. Well, John will be there. So yes, sir. Come through and yeah. see John. Definitely a ticket. We'll have a link down below for you. Uh, where can they follow you, Avery? Roamer the Roamer, all platforms. Cool. Like, subscribe, do all that good stuff. And we'll see you on the next episode. Peace. Peace. Much love.